Welcome to another inspirational message from the chapel. We pray this message encourages and inspires you. If you would like any more information, check out our website, thechapelcollective.com.au. Well, good morning. Good morning to everybody joining us online this morning. It's great to have you with us, whether you're at one of our locations in your lounge room, wherever you are. It's great to be with you. Great to be with you on the coast. I know there's a new family, there's an old family that's joining us there tonight, so I um, hope you're all comfortable. Welcome to everybody in the room. It's good to be with you in church. And um, just with today, we continue our series in 1 John. And uh, I hope you're tracking with the, uh, the going deeper studies that you have accessed through the week that work through the entire book verse by verse in a way that keep us uh, who believe going deeper. Uh, there's daily devotionals and, of course, there's the um, contemplative prayers. And and I locate it all by going to our app, and then I just click on the daily readings, and, well, the rest you can link to. So hope you're enjoying that. hope you're getting the most out of it. Uh, there's still plenty of time. It won't matter what you've missed if you start today. Um, and we're going to get into to this. So let me pray. Why don't you stand if you're in the room? We're not going to move around, but we are going to stand. And we're going to pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for everybody, Lord, on location and on the link today. Lord, we just pray for your word to do Lord, the great work that it does. And, and really my prayer today is that, Lord, people would come to a deeper understanding of what we're about to talk about in a way that it would um, affect the way they live and the way they love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Why don't you take a seat and get comfy? They, um, when, when you think of someone who lives a lavish lifestyle, who do you think of? And what do you think about? Who? Um, I, I, maybe you think of the Kardashians. Um, uh, I've not watched the movie, but I have seen the preview. Um, the Great Gatsby. Lavish. Beyond what should even be allowed. Um, but lavish, extreme, extraordinary, over the top. Um, when you think of lavish, who do you think of and what do you think of? And uh, the, the word lavish means um, um, to be exorbitant, to be... Um, great abundance, uh, an incredible overflow, luxuriant, all those kinds of words. So hold that thought on, on that, on lavish, and, and have a check out this image on the screen of my children. Might be three of them, I think. Look, there you go. I did have strawberry blonde hair back in the day. But look at those children, aren't they glorious? They just, oh my gosh. When, when, even when I see the images, I was looking for something else when I stumbled upon them this week and, and those images there, my heart just swells straight away. The one where Bella is four years old, it's her fourth birthday and she's got the um, crown on, I think, and, and uh, we didn't tell anyone, we just said, Bella, you can invite whoever you like, sweetie. So Bella, being, Bella invited about 60 people and um, uh, at that stage that included everyone from church and then everyone else she knew. And so, and Bella invited them, and we didn't tell them, you don't need to bring a present. So there was our four-year-old with about 40 presents, and she must have been thinking, is this what happens when you have a party? I'm going to have one every year for the rest of my life. I might even have two a year. But love my kids. And the thing about loving my kids, I love my kids just at the sight of them. I, I, I loved my kids the moment they breathed a single breath. It, it, they didn't have to do anything else. I used to wander into Bella's room when she was still in a cot, 
before I'd head off to work and, and I'd just stare at her and my heart would overflow with love because she's my child. And I don't, she doesn't have to do anything. It's, it's instant. It's unconditional. It's spontaneous. It's like a love for, for our kids. It's like a, um, at least in our house, it's like, a, it's like a well that doesn't run dry and continually overflows. There are moments when I have to choose to love Bron, and there are moments when Bron has to choose to love me. But I, I can honestly say with my kids, there's very few moments. Like, they're my kids, and it just overflows out of your heart. In fact, I love my kids so much, I want to do anything for them. Uh, my discipline is to hold back from them at the moments when it's better that I say no. In fact, our kids know that if, if, they, if we're away and they want to stay up late, you text dad. They text me, they don't text Brian. If they want to go on tech when we're away and they're not meant to be, you text dad, you don't text Brian. Now, you can work out which one loves more, maybe it's Brian. But the point is that that's how it is with my kids. I want you to hold those two thoughts. Lavished and loved kids, and listen to this text from 1 John chapter 3, verse 1. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. See what great love the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. God loves you and I lavishly. He does. Wherever we're up to today, he loves us lavishly. Before we'd breathe the breath, God loved you and I. He actually says before the foundation of the world, but that's hard to grasp. Before you and I had breathed the breath, God loved us. God, we didn't need to do anything for God to love us. It was instant. It's out of, the, out of the overflow of his heart. It's like a bubbling up well that never runs dry, the love of God for you and I. How is that, that God would love us that way? It's too big for our mind to grasp. From the heart, he's got our back. He's got our future. It, it's, it's all of this. It's more than this, and it's lavish on top. That's the love of God towards you and I. So have you got your head around that? Uh, the answer is no, by the way. If you're feeling bad. Has it captured your heart yet in some way? I can remember the reason it's so vivid, uh, uh, standing at Bella's cot when she was just a little bub, was it was the first time that I recall one day just staring at her, trying not to wake her up so that I didn't get in trouble from my wife who would have to then look after Bella while I went out the door. And while I'm looking at her, just watching her beautiful little red locks and her quiet breathing, while I'm just looking at her, it struck me how that God thinks the same way about me. How is that? That the God over it all thinks like that about me before I breathe a breath, before I do a thing, before I get it right or wrong, in between getting it right and wrong. But that's how God is with me. Have you got your head around that? Has it, has it captured your heart yet? And, and, and here's why it's important. Has there any, ever been anyone that was close to you that you weren't sure of their love for you? Uh, I'm fortunate, I think, most people that have been close to me, like family, have loved me, but, but has there been anyone where you doubted it? And, and, and if you have been there, doesn't that change things? When you're just not sure, when you go, I think they love me, I'm uh, I'm not quite sure, it, it, because when you doubt it, you doubt the motive, you doubt the agenda, you doubt, you doubt your own behavior, you, you don't know what's good enough, all of that kind of thing. 
But then when you know that someone loves you unconditionally, spontaneously, like a well that bubbles up that never runs dry, when you know you are loved that way. I know that Bron loves me like that in all of its imperfection. You know, she has to choose it sometimes. But generally speaking, I know that Bron's heart is completely for me. When Bron tells me something I don't want to hear, generally speaking, there was a moment between services when I'm not so sure, but generally speaking, when Bron tells me something, I know that it's about my best interests. I know that it's a genderless. That's the power of love. And when you know you are loved, you can trust what's said, you can trust what's done, you can trust the motive. It might not always be right, but you can trust it. When we know that we're loved, it changes everything. It changes the way we live and it changes the way we love. And so the Bible comes along and says, God loves us lavishly, those who he calls his children. And so, have you got that? Have you got around that? And has, your heart, has that captured your heart yet? Listen to this from Ephesians chapter 3, verses 17 to 19. I pray, this is the Apostle Paul we suspect, I pray that Christ will be more and more at home in your hearts as you trust in him. May your roots go down deep into the soil of God's marvellous love. And may you have the power to understand, as all God's people should, how wide, how deep, how high, how long the Father's love really is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is so great you will never fully understand it. Uh, Let's just go with the bottom line first. It's so great, we'll never fully grasp it, this side of eternity, maybe the other side of eternity as well. We'll never fully grasp just how much God loves us, but in the midst of knowing that piece of knowledge, the Bible says, hey, go deeper, grasp it more. Paul says, I'm praying for you. I'm praying that it'll go deeper and wider and higher. You'll, You'll understand more than you did before. Why is that? Because he wants us to know how loved we are, but also he knows that when we know how loved we are, that that'll change the way we live and love, and that's powerful in our lives. And so my prayer today has been this, that we might better grasp how loved we are and may knowing this affect the way we live and love. Three things to know about how lavishly loved we truly are, that they might affect even to the point of how we live and love. Three things. Number one today. Number one is the porch light is on. The porch light is on. Uh, Luke chapter 15, verse 11, 32, 32. Might come up on the screen. If it does, I'll read it to you. Um, Luke chapter 15, 11, verse... Here it is. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the youngest son... Notice it's the younger son, in case my brothers are watching. It's the younger son. The older son was awesome. The youngest son... The youngest son, we won't mention what the older son does now that I think of that, but so he divided the property, lost my way. The youngest son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. Let's just move through it. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he, when he came to his senses, we should underline that. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. 
I will sit out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and I've sinned against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him. While he was still a long way off, underline that, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, hurry it up. Bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. And so they began to celebrate. We'll stop it there because it gives us the essence of what we want to talk about. There is another son that mentions the older son, who is faithful and within the house and and his life speaks to many of us because the older son was the one who was living right. And it's important to note that the older son missed out on all the blessing that was available to him until this point because he didn't understand how lavish the father's love was. I was in the right place and he was serving the father, but he didn't quite realise, he hadn't fully got his head around the lavish love of the father yet. And so that's good for us to remember because it affected the way he lived his life and the way he loved others. But the son here that came home, um, here's the thought, the porch light is on. Number one, the porch light is on. And this is so important for us that God, his heart, and in his heart and mind, he's always for us. We're never beyond his sight. We're never beyond his reach. I don't know who's given up on you, but God never has. I don't know who's turned their back on you, but but God never has. He he never will. Uh, Wherever we find ourselves at, wherever we're up to, God is not, has not, will not give up. As long as there is a flicker of life in the spirit of a person, God is there with the porch light on, as it were, saying, hey, come home, come home. And, and, And he's always there. In the moment that the son comes to his senses, the moment that he comes to his senses, and and how true that is, isn't it? Just in life, the people living their life, whatever, just trying to block God out. But hopefully, and maybe you're there this morning, just coming to our senses and coming home to the Father. And what I love about this passage and the porch light being on is, is you can't run from him. If you run from him, the porch light's still on. If you Deny him, the porch light's still on. If you reject him, the porch light is still on. In the darkest night, the porch light is still on. Through this dark season, the winter season of the soul, the the, the porch light is still on. It's still on. No matter if we say, God, leave me here, and I don't know if you've read or heard or been, the story of God, just leave me alone. Even then, the porch light is on, and the father waits for the son, for the daughter to come home. When it seems like everybody else has gone off, gossiping and talking about a person the porch lights on god's still there and the porch lights on you know just to take a moment there's a there's a um, famous preacher in the world right now and really he's made some awful decisions i don't want to go into that what i do want to go into this is while people are gossiping and while people are making judgments and saying all kinds of things this is a reality his heavenly father's porch light is on in the moment he turns his face towards God. The porch light is on the moment he gets on the horizon of crying out to God. What do we know about this passage? We know that the father runs to him. 
before he can say anything else, before anyone has an opinion, thinks a thought, makes a judgment, releases a statement. The porch light is on and the father runs towards his son and that's how he is. His love is lavish towards the people that he loves. I love that the porch light is on. Um, I love that I'm told that in Jewish culture it's undignified for a father of the house to run. Of course, Jesus was well acquainted with that idea. And to a bunch of Jews, Jesus says, and the father ran towards his son. I love that. I don't like being living embarrassingly. I feel awkward when I have to do things. My kids are great at it. My wife excels at it. They, they, they're happy. They don't care what you think in a, in a good way. But I do. I care in those. I feel awkward in those moments. But the Bible says that the God of the universe, in who he is, in the moment that someone turns their head and heart towards home, that he's prepared to run toward them in a way that is undignified for men, but okay with God. Oh. What lavish love he has poured out upon us. Here's all he needs. He just needs to hear the footsteps. I love the idea that even before the father could see him, though it says he could, that he heard the footsteps for home. In hearing the footsteps for home, the father turned his gaze towards the son. The sound of footsteps headed for home bring the rush of the father to the one who's drawing close. What a wonderful thought. I think about when I was a young man at the age of 21, before I'd even prayed the prayer in surrender to Jesus, God heard my footsteps towards him. He was already there. He was already on his way. He was already there ready to embrace the son who would come home to the father who loved him more than he could possibly know. That's number one today. Number two, number two it's, there's a seat at the table. Verse 22 says this, But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fatted calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and let's celebrate. For the son of mine are dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And of course, you could, if you're a seasoned believer, you could switch off this morning and go, Well, I'm, I'm not really the prodigal son, Darren trying to come home. But I want you to think about how lavishly loved we are because not only does he embrace the son, but he puts the son at the table, which again is a little lost in our culture, except that, you know, to a far less degree than a Jewish family and the family home and the family table, he, he says he, he puts the finger on the finger, the ring, and the ringer, the ring, sorry, the ring. Oh my gosh. They were one-syllable words. It wasn't that hard. The ring. See, this ring here, what you all know is that that tells you that I am married to that beautiful, lovely, intelligent powerhouse of a woman. When you see that, you're reminded that I am married to Bromwyn Hillary Bunnell. And when the son was given the ring of the father, it told everybody that he's the son he has all the authority of the house. He has a favor of the house. He has a blessing of the house. He has the wealth of the house. 
There is no pointing the finger of the Father at what has been, only who he is and the future he has. There's a celebration for coming home and there's a setting up for what's to come and he's going to secure it by saying, hey, if any of you servants around the fringes think that there's any doubt about who the son is in this place, I want you to know, bring the fatted calf, put the ring on his finger, put the robe on my son. I want you to know that he's come home, he's a son of the house, all the rights, all the privileges and the responsibilities, the blessings, the promises, the future, they're his because he's mine. Oh, you are lavishly loved by the Father of heavenly lights. His name is our God. God God's lavishing love. Seat at the table. It's got your name on it. You know, it wouldn't matter where my son went in the world or what he did. If he comes home, there's a seat for him. In fact, I'm pretty confident that when my kids leave home and I look at the empty seats, I'm either going to have to burn them or I'm going to look at them and Bron knows what I'm going to say before I say it. I'm going to cry. I'm going to look at those seats some nights. I know I am. I'm going to cry my little heart out. Because that is my daughter's seat. And that is my son's seat. It'll always be their seat. It'll always be there. Because they are sons and daughters of our house. They are the family. The seat has their name on it. We are family. And he takes care of his own. What a great and awesome God we serve. Um, There's this idea that captures this moment... um, it captures this idea in this moment between David, um, the, the king of Israel, the, the, the great, powerful, highly loved and richly favoured king, and Mephibosheth of Lodabar. Don't you like that? Mephibosheth of Lodabar. It sounds awesome, but it wasn't. Um, it, it, Mephibosheth was a, a son of the former king Saul who was crippled in both feet. His dad was a leader who had failed and taken his own life. Um, Mephibosheth was crippled in both feet in that culture and at that time that was to move you to the fringes of society and he lived in Lodabar Lodabar was in Bible times a Jewish ghetto that's what it was so here he was the son of a former king who had taken his own life crippled from the age of five moved to the fringes of society and living in the ghetto and the king of the nation his name was David says Find me a son of Jonathan that he may sit at my table every day like one of my sons. And so Mephibosheth of Lodabar is delivered to David's table. He's given the inheritance that was um, previously his father's and his grandfather's. He was given all of the land, all of the property, all of the servants. And from that moment on, the Bible says that he sat at the king's table. And whilst it's a great account of history, it's not in there simply as an account of history, it's there in the pages of Scripture to give us a type of Christ, to give us an insight into God, who he is and what he's like. That he says, hey, I want you to know that you will sit at my table from this moment on. All the privileges, all the promises, all the responsibilities, all the blessing, all the favor, everything that is mine is yours because you are a son and a daughter of the house. He has prepared for us a seat at his table. It's got our name on it. We are family. He takes care of his own. How good he is. Number one, the porch light's on. Number two, there's a seat at the table. Number three, and finally today, he's prepared an inheritance. All of this is good, but it is nothing in comparison. 
It is nothing in comparison to the inheritance stored up for those who love Jesus. Uh, 1 John says a lot about it. 1 John chapter 3, listen to it. See what great love the Father has lavished on us that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. That is what we are. That is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is it didn't know him. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what will we be has not been made known. But we know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him. Oh, what a day that'll be. For we shall see him as he is. And all who have this hope in him purify themselves just as he is pure. Eternity is the inheritance God has planned for all of us. Eternity is coming. Listen to 1 John. Uh, The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. 1 John again. As for you, see that you who have heard from the beginning remain, uh, what you have heard from the beginning remains in you. If, If it does, you also will remain in the Son and in the Father. And this is what he has promised us, eternal life. Eternal life. 1 John again. And now, dear children, continue in him so that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. Oh, what a great way to enter eternity. You know, what a great thought. That how few people are on the brink of the end of life and the beginning of the life to come and enter there unashamed and confident. But all who believe in Jesus, that's how they enter. Unashamed and confident. Even if there's a little bit of lacking confidence on this side, when that final breath is breathed and the next breath is lived, I tell you, all confidence will rise at the sight of Jesus, our Lord and Saviour. Now, dear children, continue him in him so that we will be confident and unashamed at his coming. 1 John again. Dear friends, now we are children of God and what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know, I think I've read this, but when Christ appears... We will be with him. 1 John makes it clear. Eternity is coming. And eternity is inheritance that God has planned for us. It's coming at us fast. Let me close with this verse. Revelations chapter 21. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. There is no richer image in my mind than that moment right there. The Bible captures it and says, it'll be like nothing you've ever seen. And I heard a voice from the throne saying, look, God's dwelling place is now among the people. And God, this loving, lavish, loving God, will be amongst his people, and he will be their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes. Oh, there'll be no more death. There'll be no more mourning or crying. There'll be no more pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I'm making everything new. And then he said, write this down for these words are trustworthy and they're true. He said to me, it is done. On the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, to the thirsty I will give water without cost from the springs of the water of life. Those who are victorious will inherit all this, and I will be their God, and they will be my children. And I will be their God, and they will be my children. He will be our God, and we will be his children. And the day is coming. 
may be coming sooner than we think. Maybe, but it's coming regardless of when it is. Oh, what a loving God we know. Lavishly pouring his love out on us. The light on the porch is always on. The seat at the table he's appointed you to. And of course, in, uh, in eternity is indeed our promised inheritance. Why don't you stand with me? I'm going to pray and then Bron's going to come and join the conversation. Why don't you close your eyes just for a moment? I just want to ask you really quickly, really seriously. Is that you? Today you're like, Darren, I'm, I'm there. Like I've been just off doing my thing. I've just been, I'm, I completely identify with the son. I know who the father is. I know that Jesus came, that he lived, that he died for my sins, that he was resurrected from the grave and that through him comes forgiveness of sins and through him is eternal life. Darren, I know that. I believe that, but I've just been doing my thing. And if that's you today, I want you to know the, the porch light is absolutely on. The father hears the footsteps beating in your heart already. He's already right there, right next to you. as close as your very next breath. And he's just saying, hey, it's time to come home. Let's get this done. There's a seat at the table. Eternity is yours in the waiting if you'll come back to me. So if that's you, with every eye closed, just bow our heads. If that's you, I'm going to pray a prayer. I'm going to ask you to come out the front. I just want you to, in your heart, pray this prayer and agree at the end and say amen, That which means yes, I agree. After that service, maybe you'll let me know. But if that's you, will you just raise your hand and say, yeah, Darren, include me in this prayer. Oh, I, I definitely have been away from God. I want to come back to him right in this moment. Great. Anyone else? Really high across the room. Great. My bad eyes. I'm looking for your hands. Excellent. Very good, guys. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are, Lord, lavish in your love towards us. Thank you that you never give up calling us back to you. You're always calling us home. Today we acknowledge that Jesus Christ came into the world, that he died for our sins, that he res he's resurrected from the grave, and that he is Lord of all. We put our trust in what he's done for us, that our sins are forgiven. We declare Jesus to be Lord of all today. And from this moment on, we take our place at the table. We're living part of your family and for your purpose. Lord, we thank you today. Fill people with your Holy Spirit as we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey again, thanks so much for joining us on this podcast. Whether you are new and exploring your faith or a follower of Jesus, there's a next step for you. There is always room to grow, more to be done, destiny to be pursued and people to be reached. So what's your next step? To find out, head over to thechapelcollective.com.au And thanks again for listening.